meeting to order. Are there any changes or adjustments to the agenda? There's no adjustments to the agenda, but after the board meeting, if people do want to take a tour, just do that. There's they just wax the floors. We've got some plastic on places that we could go, um, but it, so it'd be available if anybody wants to do a quick tour. As long as you stay on the plastic, you can like it's okay. All right, we'll entertain a motion to approve the agenda. So moved. Second. Motion and a second to approve the agenda. All of those in favor? Uh, Opposed? Motion carries. <laughs> I like this. Okay. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Peace County empowers all students to become productive, responsible citizens of an ever changing society. Take a minute now for public input on non agenda items. Okay. That's easy. Uh, looks like then we are down to TLC. Yeah, so Sammy's going to do a presentation for us. You might have to swing your chairs around so you can see the screen. She's going to give us a update on Iowa profiles, data for Sac County, maybe comparison data. self-assessment. I can't remember what the letters say, but basically we looked at all the systems in our school, did a rating on where we were at, and it came out that we thought maybe math was an area where we could make the most growth. So the next year, we did some concentrated efforts on doing some number routines and really committed some instructional time to math, and we rose to a 50.2 out of 100 up into the acceptable. We were still on the comprehensive list because we were there for three years. And you can see what the state average was. And then, so we skipped 2020. So the newest um, rating that came out, we're at 52.1 out of 100. State average is 54. We're still acceptable. Um, and this is after we've implemented the illustrative mathematics. So that's at the element. We go to the middle school. In 2018, um, the middle school was at 47.65. They became targeted for their IEP population. And they chose, they also did the SAMI process. They chose to focus on literacy. So the next year, they jumped all the way to commendable. And again, it's the achievement in the Iowa assessments. It's the participation in the Iowa assessments. They are also have a percentage of their score, which is the um, conditions of learning survey. And then this last year, um, 54 points. So then our high school, now they're, they're, they have a 
markings in their, how they get their score. So they have um, graduation rate, conditions of learning survey, of course, the Iowa assessment, um, post-secondary readiness, which includes the ACT, SAT participation and success, their CTE concentration, and college courses. So they were commendable in 2018, 2019, commendable, this most recent one, um, um, There's where the Iowa School Performance can be found. You can just Google Iowa School Performance, and then you can look. You have any questions? We're just getting ready to take the task portion again for this year now. Right. And we'll be doing the conditions of learning survey. Is that in April? In, the yep. in April, the students will take that. And that has questions like that shows us like how they feel about their relationships to adults, relationships to peers, safety of the school. So on the elementary, are we still with the math piece or we are? We are. We are. Okay, good question, Jackie. We are still because in 2020 they froze because of COVID, they froze all the statuses. We're still a comprehensive. So our focus has still been math. Um, of course, next year, if we get our new um, ELA curriculum, we'll still be working on math, but then we'll focus a lot on the next year. So you have averages on there. What's what's the high score? I know, I'm assuming nobody's getting 100. No, or no one's getting it. I, you know what, I can't, I have to look it up and see. I don't know. Is that stuff on this website? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I mean, if you really want to go through a whole, unfortunately, there's not like a compare, but, our scores have moved this up so that when the new rankings come out, we should not be in the bottom. What I recall, it's set up like a bell curve. So there's like the 1% that are, I don't know what they class, but like high, high performing. And then you have the 5% at the bottom or something. And then like right. And the state takes the 5% at the bottom, designates them as comprehensive, and then they have certain steps. Like you have to do the same, you have to make a plan. The state comes in and audits you. I think we were right finishing that when COVID hit, right? It was like the next yes. day or two schools canceled. So yeah, we were doing the state audit. We were getting phone calls about COVID. And I think we finished on a Thursday. We went to school on Friday and we didn't come back. Okay, we will go ahead now and open the 2022-2023 school budget hearing. All right, just as a review of that public can address questions to the board. So in the paper, they see um, what we spent last year, the estimate of what we plan to spend this year, and then a budget for next year. The most important number to me is what's the levy rate gonna be? And for us, we're proposing a levy rate of approximately $11.32. That's down from the year before when it was $11.93. Um, Within all those columns, there are uh, instruction lines, there's a support service line, non-instructional and other expenses. And so whatever budget amounts, you can't overexpend any of those amounts that are published in the paper or else you get a comment in your audit. Um, so I would open it up if anybody has questions related to the budget. And we will move on to open the 2023 calendar. Right, so by code, the earliest we can start school is August 23rd. Our for students, that's the date we are proposing starting school next year. Um, this calendar has a mixture of early outs and all day services. They're blended throughout the calendar. Most in service dates are on Mondays. Uh, we did put some early outs preceding holidays. 
So staff would stay to do some in-service, but kids would get out a couple hours early before like Christmas break or, or Easter break. Still maintains an Easter break instead of a spring break. That break Easter's a couple weeks earlier next year. So it's like the 7th of April, something like that. And then even if you look ahead, the following year, Easter's in March. But Easter's one of those vacations or one of those holidays that changes. It's not the same. So again, this is open to the public if anybody has questions about it. If it's okay, I've got a kind of a brief statement to read. This kind of my feelings on this. You know, I've, I've got nine kids in school, so I'm not, not really funny. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to commend everybody for surveying the ESAC students, staff, parents, and community at large about possible changes to the calendar. I know that it's difficult to please everyone in this area. When I was the tech director in Ames, I was the chair of the district's calendar committee, so I kind of feel your pain. Uh, based on research, the survey results, and my years of working in several districts, I would encourage you to move to a week-long spring break in mid to late March while making a three-day weekend tied to Easter. I would also recommend reducing the number of early dismissals for professional development and service, but here are my reasons. The survey results, in my view, call for a change to a spring break in March. While each category had a fairly large maybe response, the no response was low in each, and the people most directly affected, staff and students, voted in favor. The staff support was 59% for a spring break in March, and the student support was 51%. If you were to weight the four categories, student, staff, high school, middle school parents, and elementary parents equally, and split the maybe vote, it's 61 to 39 in favor of a March spring break. That to me sounds like pretty strong support for a change. What are the advantages of a mid-spring or mid-March spring break? Well, a spring break in March would likely reduce student absences. As I've subbed, read through Facebook posts, listened to people, it's clear that a lot of families have taken long vacations in the past month. Perhaps this is due to putting off travel due to COVID. Perhaps this is the only time that the parents could go. But I would say it's safe to bet that many of those families would have waited until a March spring break to travel, meaning fewer absences. It's still a long time until our Easter break this year, more than about three and a half weeks away. Research is pretty consistent in showing it only takes 18 days of student absence to make a measurable negative difference in student performance. And we have students who are missing a week or more. Uh, again, a mid-March spring break may not work for every parent's schedule, but a well-placed break at a consistent time in the school year can help make parents make a choice that is better for their children's education. I believe a March spring break would also save the district money by reducing the number of subs needed. Some of those families taking vacations have been teachers, including some I've subbed for. Again, a mid-March break would likely reduce that. Um, and a related benefit to that is fewer subs needed means less work in finding subs, which is becoming harder and harder for administrators and secretaries. A mid-March spring break produces far less interference in spring sports. It's a pretty quiet time in the school calendar. Tracks usually started, but not soccer and golf most years. And mid-March affects no sports calendars other than perhaps the Boys State basketball tournament you were to set up that week. Easter, on the other hand, which can be as late as April 25th, moves around each year and wreaks havoc on track meets, soccer matches, and golf matches. For example, this year, our Easter break will greatly affect three of our seven junior high track meets and also interferes with one of our home varsity track meets, which got rescheduled. Uh, it creates for junior high track, not to schedule around that, but as an example, uh, along with weekends and church nights, an eight day break in the middle of our season. And then we only have about 18 practices total during the season. That's a big factor. March is a 
more logical and predictable spot for a break. It's the middle of the semester. Again, it's over three weeks until our spring break time Easter, and that holiday can be even later in the year than that. School people need a break now. So I'd like to thank everybody for surveying the ESAC community and giving some thought to these suggestions. I believe that the survey results show that our clientele would like a mid-March spring break, and I've listed some of the reasons why. I know it's different than the draft that has been presented tonight, but I would hope uh, that you take, take those into account as you vote this evening. There's a lot of stuff taking together for both of you. Well, a couple of pieces. First of all, after we looked at, I think if the survey could have been more specific, I was hoping that the break would be a little earlier in March, the mid-March, but we still had junior high activities going on. So it's going to have to be towards the end of March, about this time when we could have a break without impacting rest. Uh, I did get feedback from the music people with a lot of contests and things going on. They didn't really want the break in March, preferred it later. Um, but again, that's one group. Um, there was a split on in-service and honestly, a little bit even administratively. Um, I'll be honest, I was more in favor of full day in-services, but there was talk administratively of having some in-service um, more frequently to be able to do that with some two-hour layouts as opposed to one once a month like so that's why we ended up with the blend it has eight uh, two two hour early outs i believe in it and then six or seven full day in services during the year there's three in service dates uh the last thing is we would we would need to look at changing our handbook our handbook has some specific dates that are listed as breaks currently um good friday and monday after easter are listed in the handbook what do neighboring districts are saying? Everybody's a little different. I didn't look to see what everybody else is. The schools that I've worked at have been very, fairly traditional, maintaining a You know, I asked some teachers, and it was, again, wasn't surveying all the staff, but I asked teachers if the break was this time in March. Um, and the feedback that I got, they didn't like it at this time because now people are getting ready to do field work. So they would rather have it earlier in March. Just as a parent, um, having it during Easter break, I was looking and my kiddo has a track meet on Monday and I think a soccer game and track meet on Tuesday. So we can't even have a spring break because we will have to be trapping. I just, um, the other day I was talking to Gail Ashide, who runs our food pantry. She says now we're, we're feeding 58 families in our district. And I think about the week that they wouldn't be in school, that's 58 families and kids who depend on our school for meals, for a safe place to be, for all that kind of stuff. And that'd be a week that they wouldn't have that. Um, and I, I, one can argue that there are not probably 58 families in our district that are gonna go on a week long vacation, but there are 58 families that do need to have their kids here because it is a safe place to be, they get food. And they can't, they can't afford to lose that instruction with their kids. Not that I wouldn't want to go, but that's just the other side of it to look at. Well, the other comment I would make is if the handbook is holding us up, I don't have a problem because we could not have a for next year. Loosen things up, freeze things up. I don't want them to, I don't know what you do, but I did that one thing today. And just asking about the teacher conference and how it all day. And how they, they used to be, they could have a she had thought maybe that they were part days and then the teacher had like just this 
small over the students would spend an hour or the teachers had time to go to the bathroom just kind of get organized and that might not even be here that might be well that was one of the complaints that i got was when they get out early to adjust their schedule so sometimes for some kids having a switch schedule is hard to adjust to as opposed to school the other part of it is the reason you're having the comp day on friday you're putting in basically a full day of school plus a half day for parent teacher conference and so when you do that twice you're making that up by having the friday off when does this happen i guess not so much for this year i think last year we might have actually done that in april that looks larger so if we want to make a change in the future discussion in the handbook you'll approve that this summer which if we're going to look at changing you can always amend the handbook so it's not like a master contract that is more difficult to change so you as a board have the authority to do that but i would like to at least have input of our staff because those for some reason easter was listed as a day and the monday after easter they're listed as specific dates they're not supposed to so where that came from i don't know history you don't want to have that usually the good friday then a day and a lot of people would make money about christmas yeah i don't remember i think here it says you not supposed to have the 23rd that's also in the handbook for december 23rd i don't think i've had that in another place because that always depends on where christmas falls in the week and falls in the year. i think if nothing else the, the the blend of early outs and full days we can evaluate if that's really something that's productive for us or not uh, because there was a lot of debate uh, i should say a lot but some debate of, not having full day in services and just going with a regular schedule of, of either weekly or bi-weekly early December. Oh, there was quite a few. I don't remember the exact number. Yeah, there was a we had you could, student community members, staff members, so there were different subgroups that like 230. It seemed like there were like 70 or 80 of each group. So that's probably about 230. It was pretty balanced. Comments? No? Okay. We'll go ahead and close the 2022-2023 calendar. Administrative reports. At the elementary, I had to my report. Um, we had our conferences. We had independence again. Um, we had our annual preschool parent meeting. Um, it was nice to have it in person. Um, uh, we're sitting right now at some numbers where might have to look at is it a two section versus three sections because of the current teacher shortage. So um, something we're watching, I guess. Um, and then something I didn't have on there was we are gearing up like the other buildings to take the ISAS for annual assessments. So today, um, and then my last thing on there was our ELA, ELA adoption process. Our team talked about this in a couple of <coughs> board meetings. I feel like they've gone through a pretty extensive process. We narrowed our choice to two quality materials and they dug into those two materials <coughs> um, to the extent where our teachers uh, got some training on them. They test implemented them with the students. They went and visited uh, both materials. We have local districts that are implementing them. So I have sent teachers to visit um, where they're actually implementing the materials. Um, we came back and we did a Q&A session then with teachers from those districts. So we've done a pretty thorough investigation at the K-6 level. Um, we landed on American Union 
and I've listed the things there that the reason that we went with that. Um, some big things there is aligning to the core standards and the professional development that they offer so important um, so that teachers are able to implement successfully um, once we get the materials because it'll be a shift. Um, but it's something as we look at our data around our ELA, what um, is something very much needed. So, and I have some other things there why we chose it. Any questions? I read your email and there's like 41 or 42 students signed up for preschool. Is that correct? Yeah, we're right at that number. We're is it, what, what is the right number? I mean, what's what's hopeful as far as is it 20 students per class? Right. We can, that's the, the cap we can have is 20. Um, and we really should save a spot in each section for a potential student. So, what Four, I think four by September. But we've serviced them sometimes through Head Start. So. I'll just kind of echo Becky with the ELA adoption. Our fifth and sixth grade uh, have going to um, pay for to participate in that adoption process, except for the I've also kind of went with the same deal. They're looking at a different um, program, uh, different materials. Uh, it, it will all align simply because of the standards that we're required to teach in the state. Uh, but we'll probably have more about more information about that. And then we're to that time of the year, um, just starting to talk through and, and plan our, our assessments for the year, um, for the final part of the year that ISAS we just talked about with the CPOC, uh, will be taking those next week. Uh, along with that, the conditions of learning, which is a part of the composite score for the um, Iowa School Performance Profile. Uh, that's a survey basically that goes to two students. Same, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, deals with physical safety, emotional safety, student student relationships, the teacher relationships, all those things are surveyed. And uh, that becomes that, that output of all those surveys together becomes a, a part of that school's profile. Students will be taking that in April. And then finally, we'll have our A reading and our A math. That'll, that window opens up at the end of April. So there'll be you know, they'll, they'll be getting hit with uh, several different things here in the next month, month and a half. And again, uh, springtime means tornado drills, fire drills. We'll be going through those very quickly. Service learning projects we've always done in the spring, uh, as well as those transitional activities. Transition is going to look a little bit different this year because uh, we've normally just done a transition with our eighth grade moving to the high school. Well, it's going to look, it's going to have to be different this year because we'll have the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade to the high school building. And then the unique thing this year is our fifth grade is currently in the middle school. We'll need to transition uh, some back here to the elementary. Some students have been here. I think there's a, a group of students that have not uh, been at the, at the SAC, SAC elementary Tennessee. So um, that will look a little bit different, but those are all things that go on in the planning for the school. And then I just put down a couple different things that we participated in. Um, with the Kiwanis Pancake Day and then the I Am Ag Day, I'd really like to thank both Kiwanis and the Pan Farm Bureau for um, inviting us and, and uh, helping us through both of those days. Kids enjoyed the Pancake Day, of course. That's a that's a different routine for them. We had about 100 kids go down there. And then the I Am Ag Day, uh, I think there was probably about a dozen speakers that came. And like I said, Farm Bureau sets that up. We do that on a three-year rotation. Talk about what that's going to look like because they uh, in the future because they do that with the middle schools in Sac County. Um, well, we won't have 
middle school anymore. So how that will look, um, I'm not sure. We'll talk briefly about that with the person that, that's kind of the head of rounding that all up. Uh, but again, that's a three-year rotation, so we've got a couple of years um, just a, a few things here. Um, I updated the, um, the, the uh, journey to 2022-23 sites. So you can kind of see some things that we've gotten done so far in preparation for next year. Uh, the seventh eighth graders, seventh eighth grade teachers, excuse me, have received their room assignments, uh, and so they were in there today, actually during during their lunchtime, just looking at the rooms and stuff like that, and kind of. Yeah trying to visualize what the room is going to look like. So that's all been done. They've been, they know about that. Um, last time I looked at, you know, the, the room's been painted. There's two that still have to be painted yet, uh, but the colors are red, orange, yellow, purple, fuchsia, <laughs> as I was told. Um, and so they look really nice. Uh, the whiteboards are up. Um, and so that's good. And the, the, the electrical is ready to go when they start putting up the TVs and things like that. They're in today working on uh, some of the insulation. Uh, I noticed the lights are up, so the fall ceiling tiles will start going in and things like that. So they're moving right along uh, with that. Um, uh, actually, Beth Litter and Teresa Bettine and Mr. Cruz met with uh, a furniture company from Premier, which is out of Waverly, which is what Steve Newsman had used before when we were buying school furniture and stuff like that. And basically, they're talking about furniture for the commons area, kind of setting it up like kind of a pseudo coffee shop type of a thing. So they're talking through that and getting those, getting that kind of visualized. They're going to be getting some different samples of different pieces, um, pictures and things like that as we get ready for that. Uh, I met with Mike Haberhouse um, last couple of weeks here. We're talking about taking the existing concession stand. Uh, if you can, it's right in that main hallway, and that would be converted to a seventh and eighth grade uh, school counselor's office. And so I was in there today talking with Sam Sadler about that, and just asked her, let her let us know what some of her needs will be as she moves into that particular type of. Um, other things, just kind of preparing. Uh, we got prom coming up on April 9th. Uh, we'll have a catered meal in the small gym. The dance will be from seven to ten in the big gym. After prom will begin at 11 a.m. We'll go, or not 11, 11 p.m., excuse me, not 11 a.m., it's too long, uh, 11 p.m. and go till about 5, 3, 3 30, something like that. And I know all the board members are going to help supervise that, so thank you very much for doing that. Appreciate it. Um, uh, we just finished the third quarter, so we'll get grades turned in tomorrow. Um, uh, senior class, class 2022, we're meeting, we're getting ready for. For their, for their big day, they've got their motto selected, their class flower, and they select the commencement speaker. Um, and this has been a group that's really matured from freshman to this year. You're really seeing uh, them as leaders and preparing for what the next step in, in their lives. Uh, and we have a mixed bag. We have some kids that are going right to the workforce. We have some that are joining the military. Uh, two-year schools are very popular. That'll probably represent 55 to 60% of our graduates who go into one or two-year school. And then you're always going to have that 20 to 25 percent that are headed off to Florida University. So um, very typical. And last thing really is um, uh, this last week, Harry Eichhorn, Nancy Stark, Mr. Cruz, and I met with Howard Center here in Sac City. And uh, one of the things that we've uh, struggled with is transition services for kids as those students with IEPs and stuff like that. How do we prepare them for what life has in store for them after high school? We had a, we used to have a really strong relationship with Howard Center, but then as government funding has been just pretty much taken away, we lost that, 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 that vital service. We met again 
uh, with the director um, and Amanda Weber, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, someday that we went, whatever day it was last week, we met with them and just talked about what are some things that they can still do. So right now, everything goes through Vogue Rehab. Uh, and they said, before we can do anything, Vogue Rehab has to be a part of this. I think that's probably going to be their funding source, and that's where it's going to start to happen. So um, we're just talking through that right now, but they can still provide um, like a job coach for a student. Uh, they can provide uh, things such as um, just skill development. Uh, they have services, just some things like that, that I think as we start looking at next year being a 712 building, we need to tap into that. So uh, we'll be reaching out to Vogue Rehab and really asking all of our families to get involved with Vogue Rehab. Whether they plan to use it or not, uh, the director said, why wouldn't you want them to have at least have some type of a connection to them? And so when they, so if they do need Vogue Rehab services, we've already started that. And they said that really needs to start in seventh grade as you start talking about transition services. So I thought that was a really good meeting and I appreciated Howard Center coming down to talk to us about that. Because those are skills that we've always been challenged with is what is the next step for those, for those young people too? What is their future? Questions for me? Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I agree with Jen, they'll take care of most of the items. Our construction meeting that generally would have been held last week I'm moving this Thursday. So we'll have a, I'll provide an update. But as John, Somebody said, they didn't, especially in this building, they look to be on schedule, even maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. And then um, we don't miss any more days of school because of weather. We have two days to make up. So at the April meeting or the May meeting, we'll talk about what those days could look like. I think I briefly talked, we could maybe make it since one of them a staff work day or two of them a staff work day, especially if we're able to start moving. We can have people help the box and think of the move, or we can make up the days. Uh, we have enough hours that we'd be on the attending. It's always a little tricky. Students are on hours, staff are on contract today. Move on to discussion items. So this is really designed for you as a board to maybe give us some ideas, but I've listed how many teachers, if I haven't missed anyone who are currently leaving. So we have seven or eight teachers there. We have one support staff that we know of. Um, we've done things like sharing part of the growth of our unspent balance with staff. We began that last year. We'll continue on that this year. As you know, almost every school in the state is now doing some type of a bonus system. Uh, I don't know where it starts and where it ends. I suppose when ESSER funds are gone, that'll end it for most places. Um, then as you talk about calendar, um, new school districts in the state are moving to four-day weeks instead of five-day weeks. Is that something that would be attractive for staff members? Uh, but it might be attractive for staff, but for community members and parents, it might not be attractive. So how would you balance that? Uh, but it's, again, as I said before, you know, when Jim met with John and I, that was the goal that you talked about with us, how to recruit people. And so we're looking for feedback. Um, I think Becky alluded to it. We, we continue to try to recruit recruit and fill positions currently, but we're also planning as if we can't fill all positions, what's it going to look like? If you give us the answers, we'll write them down. I know we've met, you know, for planning for salaries and trying to figure that piece out, and that's just a battle is to know that we can't get ahead, and now you've got the opening positions, so people are trying 
think that all gloves have come off. People are just calling other people their districts, and it's really what I feel like we're in right now. I, besides us doing the same thing, um, I, I don't know how we can take the track. There's just not enough people in this People who are on your staff, they feel sometimes I can either try to negotiate, but I'm afraid of opening that up because as soon as I negotiate with one, Mark comes in and says, well, I want to negotiate for me, and Brent comes in. So that's difficult, but yeah, they can go somewhere else and likely kind of negotiate either with a signing bonus of some kind or whatever if other schools are creative. So that's a, a catch 22 for you. We don't have, we have an association. So we negotiate with an association here. We don't negotiate individually with, with teachers. I know we talked and I think you had this in your notes too. You know, we talked about the sharing of the bonus. Uh, you know, throw out an option where instead of the cash to get an extra personal layer to instead to try and help because I think there's some staff that are maybe it's not the money, it might be the time. And so would that help them, you know, you could get five personal days. Yes, it takes them out of the classroom and yes, we have problems getting subs, but is it something to maintain and appreciate existing staff? So I know at our city we have the longevity pay where you get two years, you get a is that something you can do? It is on our schedule too. And we had four or five teachers to get it this year. So they got a nice bump this year. Uh, but, but then actually, once you get long going, once we have steps, they're, they're held to whatever we have as base and it trickles through the, through the schedule. Um, what is the, what is a four day? That's a good question. Way before my time, I guess this district looked at it once. Frank could give you a little history. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the law says you have to have a thousand and eighty hours of instruction. That's the minimum. So our calendar currently proposes about eleven hundred fifty hours. So you have seventy hours built in that are above the minimum. And you have to have more than minimum because if you have snow and get out or heat in our case, and probably get air conditioning or bad weather. So you need to have a, a little bit of the so, but you could use some of those days. You could extend the day, you know, make it another half hour longer, 40 minutes longer. Again, for elementary kids, that makes it a long day for some people. But that would be a way you could get a couple more hours. You could extend the year instead of being done roughly in 36 weeks, you might be in 38 or 39 weeks. So you would go a little longer. It would really be, you could do your in services, you know, maybe one of those days a week so you could get your days for staff on. Maybe once a month you have had their in service day. No, not a lot. A few schools have gone to that. I think I'm aware of four. There's a there's a school in the state, I believe it's Waco of Wayland, has been doing a four-day week for quite some time. But now I've heard this year Elgin, Cardinal of Elgin, I think is one of them. And then there were a couple of larger schools that were doing. I haven't heard of anybody close to us since well, why did they go that route? I think for some of them, they just feel that it's a, it's a way to give a little bit of a break. I don't know, each district probably made their own decision. Potentially could, you know, fuel costs were high, you'd be running your buses four days a week. But I, I can't see us trying to take away pay from our cooks and our custodians either, because if you, yeah, you cut away 20% of their salary. So I almost think you got to keep their pay at that same number. And then if they maybe could work that extra day if they want to work somewhere else or they can vacation or be the purpose of 
would it take away some of Lance's concerns of people um, maybe trying to schedule your vacations through the year? I don't know. Could you regulate people? Right now we have people who take you know doctor's appointments, dental appointments on school time. I don't know how you could manage it, but it'd be nice if they could do it on the day that there wasn't school. Have a day during the week to do some of them. When it was presented, I remember a few takeaways. I might be wrong on it, but what I remember was the staff was in favor of it. Administration basically said you weren't going to save any money. And I don't remember if there was an official survey as far as parents or whatever, but some of the parents, most of the parents that talked to me specifically weren't in favor of it. We're not. We're not. That's that's my takeaway. I don't know how long ago was that, Dale? 10, 12 years ago? It was, it was good Kevin Feeney at the time. It was Kevin. That's that's what I remember about when it all got filed together. I remember the staff liked the idea. It wasn't going to save a lot of money. If the parents talked to me, like I said, I don't remember if there was a survey that the school put out, but the parents talked to me. And I might be wrong on those things, but that's my recollection. That's basically. I feel like the hardest thing is to be someone that's not good enough. So it's like, who do we upset? Families? Teachers? Well, we need you know teachers. I mean? so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> This is Somebody's going to not, it's kind of like the, you know, getting out of school or like the survey you said, you're going to have your handful that are like, absolutely not, that it's not worked in my life. And there's the ones that say, yes, let's do that. So it's like, who do we disappoint, I guess? I don't know. And that's just one idea. Does a four-day work week attract people? I don't know. I mean, that's 10, 12 years ago. Things have changed a lot now in 10 or 12 years. Um, I mean, the teachers that are here, what input do you guys have? I mean, I would love to hear it. I mean... So is there less teachers coming out of college? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's. And there's a mass exodus of teachers that are already in, not necessarily like in our district, but nationwide. So retention has to be big, obviously. We don't have new recruits. Retention is big. So I think we have to focus on ways we can. Culture is important to that, Mark. And, you know, if you can create a positive culture, people tend to stay more than if it's a negative culture. We know that that's something that, for the last few years at least, that I've talked about, how do we continue to improve our culture around here? I think we've made some strides, but I think there's a long way. I think as far as your four-day work week goes, most of the teachers would could see lots of positives. They could also see some of the drawbacks. I, from an instructional point, I would think that we'd want at least once a month where we could do some learning at least a half a day. I'll throw it out there for retention. What other things, I mean, you know, we are, we don't have an unlimited budget. I'm just going to lay that out here. You know, the state's given us two and a half percent. So we're trying to do the best that we can to get those funds across. What other things can make a difference? When I talk to teachers, I'm say, we just want more time where they can get stuff done so they don't have to be here as long. And a lot of times that's, it's a whole early, that's one that budgets come out of time. that four day week was, I mean, and that's been a long time ago, but I think it was the Friday teachers overall still had to come to school. It wasn't just a free day off, but it was more of like a work day or like an enrichment day. So if the kids were behind, we would ask them to come in for whatever amount of time. Is that it was something similar yeah, to that. that seems, would that be something beneficial? I mean, or would the parents not be supportive? I mean, oh, I'm sure the parents would not support that. Well, yeah, because here's the thing. Teacher. We inconvenience parents, and then parents are like, nope, don't want to do that. And I get it when you got daycare and you got things like that, but you're never going to make everyone happy. I wish I could tell you what the answer is. 
Well, I can tell you I was completely against it 10, 12 years ago, and I'm willing to listen to it now. So. <laughs> I don't know what that means to anybody, but I guarantee you that's something. I think it's a different time now. I think there's that's, different reasons why it would be something to look at. I think it would be interesting to see what some of these other schools, like what their experience, like what they're now after they, especially ones that maybe have done it for a little while, what do they see that's good? What are some of the barriers? Or why are some of them moving from a five-day to a four-night? The superintendent Cardinal said he was doing it because he said, I can't pay the level that some of the surrounding districts get, but I can't give you time. And that was his, he thought it was going to be a competitive advantage for his district in Iowa. Where was that at, Lance? Cardinal Eldon, which is down by like, way down southeast Iowa. Like Austin. Yeah. Wait, it's uh, a little smaller school than us, but um, it's, uh, they, they just have a hard time competing against some of the bigger. Um, schools around that in terms of pay. Yeah. yeah. Kind of between the town and the UTEP area. So they've got some bigger schools. But so they feel it's been, now they, they won't know yet. Those other schools that have done it for a while, they probably tell you a little bit that there's pros and cons. But, you know, the pay is difficult for us because as I showed Brent and Jack, when we were looking at classified recommendations um, four years prior to this, our through the formula, basically, it's not changed in four years. So we don't we haven't gained money because we've had declining enrollment. The SSA rate's been low, two and a half this year, two point four the year before that. But if you took an average over the last seven or eight years, we're looking at about a two percent state supplemental aid increase, and that's if you have an increase in enrollment enough for to hold steady. But if you have declining enrollment, you don't show a two percent in your in your funding. This year, for the first time, we actually had a little bit of growth because we grew 20 kids. But as a reminder, they didn't all come to school here. There, some of them are open and rolled out. So they're on our count, but we're paying other schools if they leave our district those funds. And so based on what we've done for raises this year, we're well over the two and a half percent if you count the bonus, the retention bonuses that we're offering staff the settlement was 3.3 or 3.4 or something like that for teachers, or at least at that for classified staff, because I don't know how we track anybody if we stay at 10, 11, $12 an hour for a classified position. But that's nerve wracking to me, because I project now we've got about 300,000 increasing costs already, costs already, just in salary raises next year. And salaries are Fixed expense. It's 80%, 75%, 85% of a budget. But, and the only thing that's actually helped us a little bit is insurance rates. So mm -hmm. Those have gone up, then just don't have money to pass along. Send it out, send it checks. So we're not as competitive as Carol, as Dennis, and a lot of schools our size. We're just, we're working to get that more competitive with our base. Our base has become competitive, but it created problems for people who are here second, third, fourth year because our beginning teachers are making about the same as our people who've been here for a few years. Um, I, you know, you've gotten the raise that we've offered every year. Uh, you would have been at that same rate. We were trying to do something to increase our base pay so we could attract the few teachers who are out there. Is there something outside of school I mean, that we need to be looking at from a community standpoint to, um, I don't know what it is, but when we lose teachers, specifically young teachers, is there issues within the community? They just they don't know anybody around here. They're not local. 
that part of why they live? Obviously, short drive for a job. I think that could be some of it, Jim, but I really think for our district, some of the social emotional issues of students, it's it seems like we have more than our fair share. And for a couple of these young teachers, um, I think that was a bigger reason that they just don't know if education is right. We have a title opening and we've had a handful of teachers who I think from the regular classroom would like to move to a title position or a TLC, a teacher leader position. Uh, you're dealing with smaller groups of kids as opposed to classes of 20 or 24. And I think when, when you look at recruitment and retention, those are two different topics. You know, right now recruitment is how we get people to even apply for a position here. And, I, you know, more often than not, people that we get to apply are often young teachers for a second year. And so maybe some of those, you know, when, 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 I, when, I, when we hire people, you try to sell the district, you know, because really we're, we're like business people now. We're trying to sell our district. And why would you want to come here when you've got eight, nine, ten other options out there? Why is it ESAC is going to attract you? And I think you start to think about how do we, how do, we do that? You know, uh, how do we, TLC is a good example. You know, we've gotten some teachers hired at the high school because they heard about our TLC program and knew they were going to have the support to improve their skills, not under the evaluation setting, but under the coaching model. And I think those are things you have, we have to think about because we're not going to compete with the Carols of the world, probably salary-wise. That's, that, that's, that's just a hard and fast truth, all right? But can we compete with other schools in regards to we're going to, we're going to support you and your career in doing some of the TLC stuff, you know, um, you know, teaching's hard right now. I mean, the, the behavior you're working with and stuff. So what are some things that we can do within the district say, here are things that we can do to help you. And these are, these are some things we have in place that when you come, these are things we're going to, you know, we're going to have a, uh, you know, the coaching model. We're going to have the, the social worker that's going to help with some of these behaviors. So they feel like they're not, just in their classroom on their own, trying to muddle through the day, looking forward to the weekend. So that's part of the recruitment. How do we get people to just apply? Then the retention part of that, once we got it here, how do we keep it? And, and I think, you know, once you, if you get them past probably year three or four, that would be my- You can get them married. Yes, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't yeah, know. Well, I don't know if the board can help with that, but we should appreciate it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, 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 that's true. Another but anyway. thing that has been a barrier, and I don't know what the community can do about this too, but housing is like finding apartments or a rental place for some young has been a challenge. Right, it's still a part of I've heard one of them go to Livingstone Lake, but they see the things there and oh, it's closer to But yeah, there's some people that I really want to meet Scenario, 
that's what's going to be my next question. Yeah, you, you're, you don't have enough teachers to staff it. How do you split it up? I mean, is there a way to make it work? Like, how does it work? It's got to make it work somehow, right? We've talked about you have larger sections, so instead of three sections, you move to two. So yep. Some classes that would be maximal. Yeah, I, when you get into the upper 20s, that's a lot. But we could probably go 25, 26 and go to two sections with, with some grades now. If preschool numbers are 42, I mean, truly, and that holds out, <coughs> we're looking at two sections, well, that's a one year lift, but our enrollment numbers tend to be smaller than previous school classes. Um, some of your support services that you offer, we have some intervention positions. They could be moved back to the classroom. And that takes away for some kids who need extra support. And then staff out Yeah. Because we have been very fortunate at our district this year that the administration has managed to cover classes, usually without having to pull some of it. Once in a while, it takes, Kelly has to cover classes, or I've covered classes. Um, Maybe Michaela's covered during her free time, but really for the most part, we haven't had that. That's not the case everywhere else. I'm hearing from teachers all over the nation that are like, I can't even take a sick day when I'm sick because there's no one to cover my class. So I feel like we've been fortunate in that matter. Well, I guess what I'd say is if you talk to anybody else and they have any thoughts that we can do to help, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily that the paycheck items is something else, I guess, encourage that conversation. I don't think anybody has the answer. Nobody knows. So in the past, I'm talking about substitutes. Are they usually retired teachers? Is that retired teacher or for whatever reason, maybe somebody didn't want to have a full-time job? There, there's, it's more open. You get a, a sub-authorization so you can do that easier. Actually, they're trying to open up even people who teach, especially in vocational areas. You can get in with a different path if you've got so many hours of work experience or some courses that you have to do. But those things, when the legislation is talking about it, the time they implement it, we're probably talking four, five, six years though before them to really say it, show that it has an impact. Kevin, out of our graduating classes, how many of the ones that you You may not know off the top of your head. So you can I know one for sure. I think there might be just one. Yeah. You may compare to this being 10 years. Years ago, you probably seven or eight. I use my sister, she teaches at DMAC, and she's part of the two plus two program. And you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, she'd have 25, 26, 27 kids in class. Um, years like last year, she had five. You know, that's it, it, it's a trend that exists across the nation, not just Iowa, I mean, it's everywhere. So now her numbers are up again. Now, so, again. yeah, yeah they, they went up again. So it's Ethan Valley here. We have a scholarship foundation thanks to so it's somebody who's graduating from our district on all the way through the education program that last semester so that's when you get the scholarship that's been in place i will say for 12 years maybe that they may go into this, this scholarship you actually but i know we have a couple of them yeah i mean i think ideally it would be cool and probably completely have to come up with a program where you if it's nature that wants to go ahead and try to help fund their college but the idea is they have to come back Excellent. You're seeing some of that kind of grow your own type of right. right. I think you've hired a lot of local local teachers back over the last few minutes. That's great to see. I mean, how do you get further support of that? I think privately, school does the community understand that you don't have to have you want to have to help that fail pretty fast. It'd be interesting. Lance, you want to come out of retirement? <laughs> <laughs> you should be referring to our I would say this, just to put a bright picture on it. I mean, 
having been back about six years now, I've seen a lot of people that are about my niece's age, 25, 26, who have stayed basically in the community or come back after they've gotten their degree. I feel like we've got a lot of people coming, and I really feel like we've got very viable towns that are in a nice place. If we had more housing, that would help. We turn the, turn the uh, middle school into teacher subsidized housing. Um, but probably realistically, <laughs> but you I really think, honestly, having been in lots of different districts and always asking people why they come and why they go, I think what Jeff talked about at first, culture is the most important thing. Um, if people like it here, the fact that they can make $2,000 more in Carroll is going to keep them, they're not going to figure my gas costs and blah, blah, blah. You know, if they don't like it here, any excuse to leave is a good one. Okay, so I, I really do think what Kevin talked about, those are two different things, the retention and the recruitment. We have a lot of things to sell, but we just have to have people be happier while they're here. And if we can do that and get some of them there, you said, uh, that helps. But, you know, housing is another one. If you can't find a place to live and you got to live in a smart life, you realize, well, I got 40 openings. I'll teach there. You know what I mean? So it's it all goes together like a lot of things. But... I'm not really looking to come out of retirement, but I can help out the sub. But I, I think there's more positive there that I don't think we're very far away from turning some corners. We just have to keep after the things you're doing. Pay is a little better. Buildings are going to be better. The town's look nicer. They're still very viable. We got a lot to sell. And, you know, like Kevin said, if you can convince them, they hear about the TLC or they hear about this, they hear about that, that helps them. But it is a big problem. If Storm Lake can't build jobs, if Carroll can't build jobs, if we're Dodge, Capital job. It's not just about pay. Those are nice places to live, and they're having they're having trouble. Fort Dodge couldn't fill them out. Storm Lake had what ten or so that were unfilled last year. So it's not just us, but that mean doesn't mean it's easy for us. But we just have to keep fighting the good fight. What's that? We filled a week before school started. <laughs> so that was just your fault. Yep. But right here, some of maybe if there's a way as a district, I don't know, it's time we look at that. The, the challenge is you just look at the state performance profile, right? And the pressure is going to come. Well, why aren't your students achieving? You have to have expectations. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I've talked to elementary in this one and some in the middle school and stuff, so I haven't talked to a lot of high school teachers, but I'm always willing to please a kid. I'd love to be loved. Um, but yeah, they said the time, like, so they can take all these tests and they don't have time to able to third grade teacher talk to a second grader and all this because they just don't have the time and their life's busy outside of right. you know um so that was honestly none of them complained once about pay it was time i just want more so for the teachers in here i'm curious we went to a four-day school week but we had to extend school longer to get our hours and retain the edge okay well that's what <laughs> that was my question it's a long school day the way it is uh, no 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 I'm talking more days. Oh, more days? Yes. I think in elementary, can there is something in the code of good high school, if I remember right. I don't know why that is, but it's set at 20. Yeah, and then they all think by the time June, we can't learn it. June be good. <laughs> if you're going to have a long year, you definitely want to finish off get the buildings there. June and August, a little longer. But you're not very far away. If we did longer days, we did a spring break. Oh, no longer days. Of or not longer, sorry. Not longer days in the day, but um, school year. I would encourage you to put as many school BD days and before school, before the school year and after the school year you can 
because, I mean, not that there isn't a need during the year because you do need that time to talk about test results when they come in. But honestly, having been in a lot of districts, you know, like three days before school starts, and by the time the administrators get a chance to talk to you, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you go, when am I getting ready for school? And when am I going to have time to talk to my, you know, with the teachers on days and the students on hours, you have some opportunities to do things in the school year and before the school year and after the school year to do curriculum development, to do test analysis, to do all that stuff. Um, from a teaching standpoint, the disruption and schedule of short days is usually, um, I usually, students like routine and every, day, every time you put them out of their routine it throws you off so i think also i think you get more done on a full day in service in two hours but those are it's, it's hard to please everybody you're trying to have the right balance there's no one magic solution bullet whatever but um just keep asking people and doing what you can with the time and money you have and we've made progress on a lot of stuff so what I'd recommend here is if we want to continue on that here, that's the best service we're going to take. Yeah, that's just uh, I mean, one just idea. idea so. it's, yeah, it's more of how do we recruit, retain, yeah. what are our things that we... So maybe what we should do is continue to have this agenda item and everybody just kind of thinking about ways to do that in fact. So with that, I'm going to move on to the administrative structure. So this was on the agenda before Danny had his big news that uh, he's going to give us later. Uh, but... Um, when we accept Danny's resignation in a few minutes, um, it made us reevaluate what the administra administrative structure uh, might look like next year. So Kevin, Becky, and I, we met for a little bit this morning, and we came up that uh, don't necessarily know that we need support, but we're not sure that it has to be administrative license support. Um, I think I said earlier, I think we feel the social, emotional type need for our students a priority. And then if we can help take away some of that pressure from Becky and Kevin, would allow them to continue on being instructional leaders. They still have evaluation of staff, but they're spending, in some cases, so much of their time. So we'd like to explore some possibilities of filling that position, some kind of social, social worker or some person like that. Then we have our TLC coaches. Right now we have Patty and Sammy. You know, maybe there are other roles that we could give to some teachers. Because if we fill all the positions, then we could advertise. Sammy uh, work half time as a teacher, half time as an instructional coach. I don't know that we're going to have enough people to, to fill that that way. But maybe there are some roles that we could give, like Rick, for example, uh, some staff showing uh, that people can take a leadership role and help us guide our staff and give them the support. So anytime you have a change, it just gives you a chance to reevaluate. That's really all that we have for that right now. Our, our plan would be to have one superintendent, two principals, and try to fill the social support somehow. We can use our TLC coaches, maybe in some of the assignments. Yes, yes. So it's kind of a normal consent. Yeah, the junior high cross country, we shared that with our week last year. That would be a continuation. They did approve that. The ADA purchasing agreement, uh, that's an annual thing that we do. Uh, a lot of that's related to food purchases uh, that we make through the ADA. And then the ESAC County Foundational Board member, Tim Coven, Tim Cahoon, Tim Cahoon uh, is being recommended to fill a vacancy. So moved. Second to consent items. All of those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Carries. 
accept as the approval of the 2023 school. I'll we'll go through the various levies. We talked about those at length the last couple of months, but the proposed levy with the 2.5% state supplemental uh, aid is $11.32 approximately. Again, last year it was $11. But it's still $400,000 largely a pebble we're receiving the dollar pebble we have an increase the 33 cent pebble we've asked for an increase in management because you call those magic dollars but you know with magic, the, yeah, yeah but with the natural gas yeah. costs going up um, we know we've heard that insurance rates are going to go up substantially so yes we increase the management um, and then uh, just through the formula i wouldn't want to reduce the general amount that you're getting with instruction so then a second to the budget all of them in favor? Aye. Uh, Opposed? Next up is the school calendar. So I would recommend approval as the calendar as was presented. We talked about it. We've heard some comments. Um, we certainly can take into evaluations and possible handbook changes uh, for the future if we want. It does allow us to evaluate if the early outs and the full day in service blend. Um, you know, we get some feedback on that. It uh, allows school to be done fairly early in May. I think there's four or five days before Memorial Day. It gives you a little bit of a break if you have a tougher win before you get into your kids. So moved. Second. Motion. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? This is the natural gas risk tool. Last year we began this. And so um, through this uh, program, we pay from the management fund um, basically the full year's worth of premiums for natural gas. Uh, it locks us into a, a rate, so we're not having to worry about fluctuations in pricing. Uh, John can give you the details on uh, what it would increase. A, a little bit of the, the debate is we still have three buildings, so this includes having an elementary eating the middle school for one more year, but we haven't found a way of closing that. And if we did sell it, we could include that as part of the price or heat that uh, could be, you know, somehow we can maybe market. So I don't remember what the rate goes up to. Yeah, the current year we paid 70, and this proposal is only the school for 12 months to live of that 80,000 middle school. I, I wouldn't recommend it. We've had money to get lots of. I have no problem. 70 number this year, 83 next year, the way price is going up. That's I expect it not. That's yeah, how pretty reasonable it's made. So I'll move. And second to approve the school for natural gas. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Annual moderator. Okay, I always turn that accept the audit as opposed to approve the audit, but one of the requirements of school districts is to conduct an annual audit. So at the end of June last summer, ended last fiscal year, the audit company just returned the audit to us a few weeks ago. So I will give you some highlights. And again, I say I am not an accountant by trade. I know just enough to know just enough, basically. Um, and I look at the things that are important to me in the audit. So the first thing, there's a MDNA report at the very beginning of it, and that's partly written by John Wright, some of the narrative, and the, and the auditors help uh, with some of the narrative of that. But our cash balance and our general fund has improved uh, substantially. And so that, while that's strong, that's a little bit of a lesson, just because you have cash does not necessarily mean you have spending authority. Uh, so spending authority is different than cash. Second part of an audit is your solvency ratio. So our solvency ratio was right at 8%. It's uh, 11, almost 12% now. What that simply means is if ESAC 
had to, if they went bankrupt like uh, a business, if they had to close their doors for some reason, could you pay all your debt? As long as that's a positive number, yes. Uh, you, you don't want the negative solvency ratio. So our solvency ratio is, is good. I tend to be conservative, so I would really like it to be even better than good. good. Uh, the hot lunch balance is another area to monitor for a couple reasons. One, you can only have a, a carryover for three months of operating costs. So our hot lunch balance grew from 87,000 to almost 130,000. Um, we should spend a portion of that down with the remodel, some of the things that we're purchasing with the kitchens. Remember for the last two years, everybody qualified for free and have to fill out application. Don't know if that will continue on in the next year yet or not. not sure. The next item, and I talked about this earlier, there are four items when we publish the budget. And so in those four areas, you have to stay within those published amounts. We did, we did not exceed any of those. So that's a positive comment. Yeah. And then, then towards the end of the, the audit are some schedules that talk about the student activity account, sales tax, federal awards. And then the very end of the audit are what they call findings. And that's the narrative that they put together. And the findings were positive for us. Um, I've never had an audit that hasn't had segregation of duties. That's always the first finding uh, that they have. And so we got that as a, a negative comment. Um, I think there was one month where we missed some hot lunch revenue or something. And so they made note of that because we left out a part of them some of our accounting for hotline so we had to give it maybe a little bit of money back to that we overcounted we overcounted yeah so that was a negative just an error that, that happened other than that i feel it was a real positive auto report for us too much longer we'll be finishing another fiscal year so unless there are specific specific questions i told i would turn most to john or to ask you accept move to accept Uh, Last month, Kelly, our favorite elementary guidance counselor, talked to you about a therapy dog. And so um, I think you were the one who shared with me the West End Mallard policy and the Bettendorf policy. And then I went on to ISB and found what they had for policy. So I showed you a proposed East County board policy. Uh, I think policy is one thing, but then there would be the the regulations and the rules that we have to follow. Um, you talked about some of the, I don't remember the handlers, so to speak, of the dog and that's the thing like that that are in place. And then I believe also is the district willing to help support with some of the training, is that correct? That's just the whole yeah. You had talked about around $3,000. Yeah, so Kelly can address any questions that you may have thought of this week now last week. Otherwise, she's here and hope that you will support that we would have a therapy dog. And when we say in the district, for the most part, it's going to be your deal. And I kind of agree to her set policy. And I said to you, way better than what I could, but I said if that was stuff that we addressed. But there was, I had to, um, they had to sign, everyone signed something. Yeah, there's one of hers, like, and we're safety on signing anything. So there's definitely, there's two other. Um, we still have some questions, but I just hope you talk. And honestly, I've been talking. But that was the only thing that I had. I am willing to support this. Talked to you about this before. Money doesn't bug me. I 
think it helps with behaviors. That's the potential of it. I think it's great. You have a question though, which you kind of brought up. If there is a student that is definitely afraid of a dog, he or she's in third grade, how do we handle that? That dog runs up the hallway. I mean, I, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> right. There are um, people that are afraid of dogs for whatever reason. And I just don't know. I don't want that kid to have trouble at school because of that. Or lose a kid. Yeah, so. Um, the dog would be handled. He will not be running up the hallways. Well, I didn't figure he would be down the hallway. I mean, that would just be something that I myself and any other handlers would have to be cognizant of and make sure that, I mean, absolutely would not be in the classroom with a student that is definitely afraid of it, definitely wouldn't push the dog upon a student. And we have to be mindful of maybe even just passing times if they're that terrified of the dog and don't want to even be in the same hallway with it. Um, you know, I, I know kids' schedules pretty well around the building and when they're in the halls. So I think that would be something we just concern probably going to year to year, maybe you won't have anything for five years, two years in a row, there'll be something, but I just want to make a phone call saying my kid went to school because of the dog in the home. And if that happens, I would sit back and say, we need to figure something out that it might be for the dog. Just saying, <laughs> I'm fine. That's right. So are you, when you're fine, then the motion, if we're going to support some kind of, you know, the $2,100 or some help with that, please put that in the motion. And then at, at a minimum, we can approve a potential ESAC college ESAC County policy, then you and I can work on if there's specifics related to you know regulation that we are. Yeah, I'll move to approve the policy as presented and uh, fund this project up. I'll second. Second. In favor? Aye. Opposed? So I have a list of resignations. Uh, we do all personnel items. A, B, and make contracts in one motion. Uh, a couple of those are teachers who let us know by the March 15th deadline, so they did qualify for. $250 bonus. Um, uh, a longtime bus driver, I probably said this to everybody, but Larry was my bus driver when I was in kindergarten. So if you've been around a while, because I'm over 60. And uh, Danny, I'd like to thank Danny for his work as a middle school principal and a high school principal in the district. As you're all aware by now, Danny's taken on a new role as the Elder Relia. Uh, superintendent. Uh, so we wish you the best of luck, Danny, and thank you for your work. Uh, have a middle school student counselor, and then just recently received a, a vocational agriculture designation to accept the position. As far as contracts, uh, a behavior interventionist contract, a golf coach contract, a middle school associate. Um, Angie Horsley is a teacher who will be coming here to the elementary next year. Carrie Baylor, another teacher who will be coming to the elementary next year. Correct? Uh, and then for classified staff, Jackie Brent, John and I met. Uh, for the most part, we're recommending a dollar increase for classified staff. There were a couple of lead positions that we adjusted it slightly different than that. But again, we're, we're talking dollar increase. That's what we did last year for classified staff members. And I think Brent said it well, because insurance didn't go up the last couple of years, it's given us a little more flexibility with what we could do. Then our TLC coaches, Sammy and Abby, there's a stipend that goes with those contracts. We didn't approve those. And I haven't asked them yet. We could approve those tonight, or you could wait. And once we figure out what we're doing with the whole program, we could have made the amounts. So if we need to do adjustment, it doesn't matter to me. If it doesn't matter to you, okay. So maybe we can hold on those TLC coaching stipends until we figure 
ground for sure. Well, then do you want to do the retention one at the same time or do you want that a separate one? Let's just do the resignation side next. Okay. Any questions? So moved. A second to all resignation in favor? Aye. Opposed? All right. This, the governor, um, through whatever process, approved a retention stipend to a majority of the teachers, and that was $1,000. A few teachers did not qualify. Those would be PLC coaches. You had to be a full-time in-the-class instructor to receive that stipend. Uh, Part-time teachers then did not qualify because they were not full-time. Guidance counselors did not qualify. Uh, if a teacher had some kind of administrative duty, such as RAD, they did not qualify. So I would recommend uh, that the board consider paying staff members who are on our master schedule same $1,000 stipend, and if the person is part-time, it would be based on their FD, so half-time person gets $500, for example, to hold, and then the account, we could use different funding streams for that. Uh, it would not have to be ESSER funds. John and I could work on that together, but for TLC coaches, uh, we could use some TLC funding that we also already received from the state. The TQ is our professional de development funding. We could use that for um, and if we needed to, we could also use ESSER. But I think for the teachers, we would not have to go into ESSER funding. Uh, the amount for those who qualified that was paid this Friday already, and then we have to we turn in whatever paperwork, and we should get some uh, uh, reimbursement here in from the state for that portion. So that would be what the recommendation is to approve. To there are a lot of other people in the staff in this district, though, that have worked also hard during these tough years. And while I'm not recommending approval of those yet tonight, I would like you to consider doing something for classified staff, administrative staff, and other uh, professional staff before we would conclude the school year as of tonight. The reason I ask you to wait on that is going back to the teacher one, you have to finish this year in good standing. And so if somebody doesn't complete the year, then it's our responsibility to try to get it back. I'd rather wait till we got to end of the May or June to finish the year before we would pay this other group. I don't have to worry about somebody quit. Try to. So if everybody's okay to approve for those other people who were left out on the original state list, I would recommend approval of that. And then we would continue to have discussion on the other ones here. I'll be so next month, uh, the board meeting is scheduled for, I believe, the Monday after Easter. We can hold it on that night. It doesn't matter to me a whole lot, or you can try to find an alternate date. Uh, but some of the agenda items would include shared contracts, the ELA curriculum that Becky talked about, administrative contracts. How do you feel about expanding our flex ed from a high school flex ed to middle school, high school flex ed. We've experimented a little bit this year, but I think the board should officially approve that. We're starting to get some numbers for HVAC in some areas where we don't have air conditioning. So hopefully we'd have those numbers as well as uh, uh, FEH, our architect, is supposed to get us an updated list of our change orders so the board can officially approve what goes in. So I guess on the middle school flex ed, I'd like to hear what the staff has to say about it. I've got my ideas, not tonight, but whatever, but like now and then you could ask them what they think is a good idea or not. To me, it seems like helped in some situation needs to be expanded on it, but I'd like to be able to deal with it every day. 
I think Gene, who's the high school flex head, he should have some input. When I say middle school, I think he's really thinking seven through 12. I don't think he's thinking about down to fifth and sixth. Yeah, so we'll need to try to gather some input. Yeah, I talked, Gene and I talked today for a little bit during the service too about it. So yeah, those conversations are in motion right now.